You know, this, th- this church, I, I've already said open your Bibles, which means that the, 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 the clock for, the, for our world broadcast has already started. Uh, but, you know, this church is pretty special. And I don't really have any problem saying that. I, and it's not because, well, it's because of my wife, but not because of me. But we, uh, just, that, just really neat things. Like, you guys might not know this. You probably don't. You may. But did you know that statistically, statistically, and Gene, you probably are aware of this with respect, that statistically, if you're the church sound person, you're probably a, a, probably a grump. <laughs> Stay with me, Chris. Uh, I'm just saying statistically, and you know I'm right because you're chuckling. You're a grump, and you don't sing, and you know, you're not even sure if they're born again, but at least but they know how to move the dials. But, but our guy, but if you go back at our church, you go back, if you in the back of the room, Chris is going to oversing everybody. He's back there with pipes just worshiping the Lord. Yeah, and then we got hospitality people. That sometimes they just you know shake a few hands and sip coffee and then go gossip. Ed, you can't keep him out. I hear him in the green room. He's shout. He's over. He's shouting you guys down in here, shouting down the worship. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know. And I'm like, Lord, this church it doesn't get better than this. It just gets more, but it doesn't get better. And so we're thankful for you. So there you go. So if that was if that did make it to our worldwide broadcast, sorry for all the sound men that I've offended. And everybody else, just come home. <laughs> the, gospel, the gospel of Matthew calls the reader to follow Jesus as his disciple. And then explains and exhorts in, in, in broad brush strokes and in smaller, minute detail what it means to follow Jesus. And we, have, we are right in the middle of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, those words in red in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus has called his disciples, those who have agreed those who have surrendered to him as Lord and have followed him, he's talking to his disciples. That means he's talking to us. If you have decided to follow Jesus, if you have made Christ the Lord of your life, these words are for you. If you haven't, you're welcome to listen, and you are strongly urged to surrender to Christ. So he's talking to his disciples, and he's told them about righteousness and and what righteousness is. And now he's in a a section where he's talking about the practice of righteousness, because that's what disciples do. They do righteousness. They live it out. And now he's in a section where he's teaching on prayer. And we're in this part, uh, beginning in where we started last week. We looked at verses 5 and 6 of chapter 6, that we saw that Jesus said that when we pray, it's not for a a human audience, but for a, a heavenly audience. And that when we pray, we should pray with focus and with great expectation. But Jesus isn't finished praying yet. He's talking to his disciples about how disciples pray. Would you all say that out loud with me? Excellent. And, and he's going to launch into now, again, a, a passage that is very, very familiar to most people all around the world. We, it's typically called the Lord's Prayer. It's probably better called the Disciples' Prayer because he's teaching us how to pray, right? So it's really about the Disciples' Prayer. Now, here's our option, or perhaps my option as an expositor. Do I, do I simply say, hmm, well, Matthew's a big book. And this is a fairly familiar passage. So do I just say, well, here it is. Here's, some, here's a general overview of how Jesus taught us to pray. Here's the big basic ideas. And uh, we can do that in, about, in, in one or two Sundays and call it good. Because we don't want to miss the forest for the trees. 
right? We don't want to get so caught up in the, in the, in the minutiae that we miss the whole message, right? Yeah. So there's that. That's a, that's a true principle in exposition. But what if every single piece of bark on each tree is soul-saving and life-changing? And what if these are the precious, this is the precious breath of Jesus? And he's paused now, and the gospel writers have intentionally paused to tell us this is how our Lord Jesus, the matchless Son of God, is teaching us how to pray. So I said, all right, I'm just not going to hurry. Let's listen a little, let, listen a little more carefully, just one idea at a time. And there's going to, the truth is, which each of these, each of these have been, <laughs> these words were here before we got here. And they'll be here after us. So we don't want to have such hubris to think we should just skim over them and get on to it. But after all, we have things in our DVR to catch up on. Hurry it up. I've got things to watch on TV. I desired it to squeeze this and to listen to it. I do not, I will not be satisfied in just trying to rediscover something novel that's out of the overly and otherwise familiar. But I, I, I can't come away from a time of study and preparation without, unless my soul has been waylaid by the weight of the text. And I can't guarantee that it's going to come out the way that it's been affected me, but I still my obligation to the Lord is to be at deeply affected as I study and prepare. So I'm asking you to open your hearts with me and listen to our Lord Jesus as he teaches us how disciples pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us deeply and powerfully. Transform our lives in Jesus' name. Oh, that's good. I just, if I'll say that, then you can, it's like responsive. That's good. So today we're just going to look at verses 7, 8, and 9, and uh, here they are. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows in each of these correctives, he has brought us, he has brought the disciples' awareness back to their father. Their, their, their view of the heavenly father is, is central to the corrective. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is not about a formula. Jesus begins and he says, when you pray, remember, prayer is not about a formula. Why does he say things like, don't use, uh, don't, don't, don't use meaningless repetition or they'll be heard because of their many words? Meaningless repetition, uh, some of your Bibles might say babble or something like that. It was common practice in the uh, with the Greeks in their Greek religion and in other 
uh, other uh, pagan religions that, to pray. By the way, time out. You know what we really haven't even paused to go, well, look at that. Do you realize that everybody prays? That humanity prays. There's something in the very core of humanity, whether they're talking to a goat or a tree or a cloud, there's something in them that says, I must pray. We were made for this. And Jesus draws our attention away from formality, from human audience, and he says, yes, you were made to pray, but there is one audience, one direction, one person for whom you were meant to pray and to whom you were meant to pray. And he calls us back to our Father. So in this corrective, he says, don't, don't, everybody prays, but don't pray like them. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, they use meaningless babble or repetition. And what, he, and what, what would they would do, what was common was, how many of you have ever, don't get offended, don't, nothing is going to happen. Have you ever heard the phrase abracadabra? Abra, abracadabra. No, 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 yeah. Whoa, oh, look out. Look out. Ethel, he used a magic word. No, listen. No. Uh, 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 it, that, that, that's just a meaningless, it's a meaningless combination of syllables that is, a, that is an example of what he's, Jesus is saying. When you pray, don't use incantations. Don't, don't, put your, don't use incantations or formulas or ubala gubala or whatever, all that. Don't, don't do that stuff, he says. And then he says, and, and other Greeks and others, and even the, some of the Jews, we know from the history of the Jewish people that sometimes if everybody else was doing it, it was kind of cool. So they would sort of incorporate uh, these practices into their life. And so they would, they would sometimes use long incantations, and Jewish exorcists would use incantations and spells and candles and, and incense and all kinds of nonsense. That's when Jesus showed up and didn't do any of it and just said, get out, and demons obeyed. They said, whoa, this is weird. Where, where was the abracadabra, right? And, and, and Greeks would also, when they would address their divine, their, their divine beings, they would... They would, they would use long lists of, uh, of, of adjectives and titles, you know, bop, bop, this, you know, these great, majestic, this, that, this, that, this, that. And in, a, in an attempt to manipulate what they thought they were doing was manipulating. And then others, like we remember even in the Old Testament, with a, remember the story of, uh, of the prophets of Baal that would cut themselves and pray all day, and they thought that the, the more robust, the, the louder, the, the, the louder, the longer, the more, the more bloody, the more sweaty their prayers, then they would really get their God's attention. And, of course, Elijah says, where's your God? He must be on the pot pot because he can't hear you. That's what he said. That's what he said. Yes, what version? Translation is a subjective science. <laughs> don't pray with performance. Don't pray with manipulation. Jesus says, essentially, don't place your confidence or trust in meaningless repetition or babbling. Jesus says, don't weigh the amount of words as you're, you're praying as, in, as some sort of scale. Now, on one hand, it's probably easy for us to go, well, yes, weren't, weren't they silly back then that they would think that, that they're certain? And yet, sometimes, I, you know this is true. People will get a breakthrough when they pray, and they think, what did I just say? I need to remember what I said so I can say that next time.
it's important because sometimes I forget the the knee-jerk reaction to some of this stuff is simply saying, oh, Jesus is making some sort of a new rule. No, Jesus is not issuing a prohibition against repeating a matter of prayer. Some people have weaponized this. They said, no, if you prayed for it once, don't pray for it again. That's meaningless. That's repetition. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop that. Stop that. Stop weaponizing the words of Jesus. Stop thinking he's doing, he's, he, is reveal, he, is, he is simply revealing the heart of God to us. And he's saying, because he actually teaches us the opposite. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And Jesus told them this parable in order to teach them that they should keep praying and never give up. So he, this is not a prohibition against contending in prayer. Nor is it a prohibition against praying for a long time. Unless it's a public prayer meeting and you have the mic. You get two minutes and then you sit down. Okay? But Jesus himself would go and spend all night in prayer. So it's not a prohibition against, it's not, he's not giving you lists and measurements. He's telling you where not to put your trust. When we pay more attention to what or how we are praying than to whom, prayer dies on our lips. Prayer is not about what. Prayer is not about how. Prayer is about whom. So he says in verse 8, So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Prayer is about our Father. It's not about a formula. It's about our Father. Will everybody say that? Prayer is about our Father. Jesus says, our Father knows our needs before we ask Him. So many times, people are, again, and they're clumsy and they're really lazy interpretation of Scripture. We'll say, well, there's no need to pray then. He already knows what I need. We don't even need to say that's, he's not, that's not the way any of this works. Uh, no. What is Jesus, that, what, what all Jesus is telling us is he is inviting us to have trusting confidence as we pray. Our Father knows our needs before we ask Him. What's that telling us? That tells us that God knows us fully and knows us already. Before we look up, He is looking at us. Before you realize that you need His help, He has prepared the solution. Your emergency has not taken him by surprise. You find yourself suddenly thinking, oh, God, I need help. Oh, Lord, do you know? And he's, yep. He's already there. He's already, he's already has a solution. He already has grace for that moment. That's one of the reasons about, about confessing, even confessing our sin. You know, can, I don't want to get too far off track here, but it's only 10.03. We, even confession of sin is, is not you letting God know what happened. Well, Lord, you know, I, uh, you, you, you don't say. <laughs> what? Confession is agreement. Confession is for you. It's you agreeing, acknowledging, stepping into the light, Stepping face to face before your heavenly Father, 
That's why confession and repentance is so necessary before there can be healing and restoration. Because otherwise, you're hiding, you're lying, you're, you have to be open before the Lord. But now we're not talking about that, we're talking about prayer. But in a, in, in a, in a much better way, we come in prayer and we're, our hearts are often angst or heavy or tied up or confused. And, and the idea is, oh no, I've got to, not, not only do I have all these things, I've got these things I'm concerned about. Jesus is saying, when you pray, you aren't approaching some sort of a strange alien or, or, or foreign deity or some deadbeat heavenly dad who doesn't even know your birthday. You're not knocking on his door while he's watching the, a rerun of the same NFL game the 17th time. And you go, hey, God, sh- be quiet. I'm busy with things and Mars and making new planets. No. We aren't coming to God having to introduce ourselves or having to try to earn access to him or to persuade him to hear us. We are praying to the God who made us and knows us. The problem isn't that God doesn't know us. As Patrick just illuminated us, the problem isn't that God doesn't know us, it's that we don't know him. And prayer, prayer, praying like this, orients us, reorients, refocuses, it shifts our inner person, our understanding. It orients us to to know and to trust and to relate rightly to our Heavenly Father. Pray like this. Pray like this, Jesus. How? Our Father. Oh, everybody say it with me. Our Father. Pray like this. Our Father, he said. Wow. Father, this word, this This relationship may very well be the compact summary of the Christian life. There is nothing more important, nothing that more significantly affects every part of our life than this. God is our Father. Now again... Not only is this important in all of our life, it's, it's the fulcrum of our prayer life. It is the lever. It is the thing uh, that, 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 that makes our prayers what they are, is coming to God as our Father. And that's so important to remember that who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to his, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and calling his disciples to him, he began to teach them. And, he tells, and so he's telling his disciples to call God their father. While it is the will of God that everyone should be should become a child, that is not necessarily the way it is. John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 says, "But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the exousia, the right to become the children of God." even to those who believe in his name, those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
Becoming a child of God, to call God your father, is, is, an, is, an, is an opportunity, is an invitation that is extended to every human being who will receive Christ and believe on his name. And to as many who will receive Christ, to as many who will believe on the, the name of the Son of God, when you believe in the name of the Son of God, you become a son of God. And you get the, you get the privilege, the right, you are authorized, that's that word, They gave the right. You are authorized to become a child of God. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul says a similar thing. And beginning at verse 3, he says, So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Now, that's a really gentle way of saying dark, demonic power. Yep, that's that's what it means, okay? Uh, we were held under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive. Someone say receive. That doesn't, this is not automatic. It's not automatic, but it is free. It is by faith. It is available so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Would you say that out loud with me? Abba, Father. Now that, now he is, Paul is using an Aramaic uh, uh, word and then, then, then the Greek, uh, 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 Petros or whatever, or Patera, whatever it is, uh, Father. But it's likely, it's very likely, many commentators are, think that it's likely that, that this is the word that Jesus has in mind as he's speaking. He wasn't speaking uh, in Greek, you know, into his audience originally. This, Matthew translates this for us in Greek, but it's likely that Jesus is using a much more intimate phrase to say, when you pray, pray like this, like even like Paul would say, pray, Abba, Father. Now, and as those who are in Christ, we, verse 7 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. That literally means, as, as hard as it might feel, is that you now, when you went in prayer, you come and you stand shoulder to shoulder with Christ himself. You stand shoulder to shoulder with the Son of God before God. You have that kind of access. When you pray, you don't have to pray, Oh, great and distant God who doesn't even know my name unless I'm wearing a name tag. You call, it's like calling him daddy but it's it's bigger than that father this is this is an an absolute immediate relationship and seeing and believing and relating to god as our father is the beginning of setting everything else right in our life if we believe that god is our father let me say it again our father if we believe that God is our Father, then it, it settles, it determines our relationship with one another. You notice that if you read through the, the, the entirety of what, again, we'll call it the Lord's Prayer, but the whole, the entirety of the disciples' prayer, you will search in vain for I or me or my or mine. <laughs> All you get is we and us and ours and yours. The disciples' prayer right away reminds us that we, if if God is our Father as disciples, then we are absolutely related to one another. And our relationship to and with one another is governed, firstly, by our relationship to our Father. 
I don't get to relate to you according to your performance or my preferences. I get to relate to you according to our relationship with the Father. We must live toward one another before him and for his pleasure. There can be no pettiness. There can be no drama. There can be no evil between us. If you've acted that way toward a brother or a sister, you have acted out of sight. You have lost sight. You have, you have rejected or forfeit the idea that this is a sibling. And you are living, first of all, for the pleasure of your father. So then we, we honor one another, we love one another, and we serve one another because of him. So it settles, it determines our relationship with one another. You can see how that all by itself is a thought that could be stretched out and applied, but just keep me moving. It, believing that God is our father also affects, it also corrects our relationship with ourself. With ourself, Absolutely. This world and all of the dark powers of hell that that want to partner with it, this world has a unique way of cooperating with a fractured human nature to stir up all kinds of self-loathing and insecurity. All kinds of fractured voices about ourselves and who we are. We loathe ourselves, or we're angry with ourselves, or we're hard on ourselves, or we remind ourselves of all of our failures. And there's this whole narrative about things. Uh, that, and the, 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 the most poisonous thing is that quickly becomes pity. And it's just the, it just is another, another dialect of pride. Oh, it's just gross. We are, it, there's a mixture of either self loathing or self loving. That just is upside down. We either think too low of ourselves or too high of ourselves or a little bit of both. <laughs> we may love ourselves most. We may hate ourselves most. We may have absolutely no real barometer for what is an accurate self worth or identity unless we relate to our Father. Then he tells us that we are immeasurably loved that we are invaluably loved, that we are immeasurably valuable and yet not more valuable than the person next to us. We are, we, we are able to relate to our Father in such a way that we can have a full and rich sense of confidence and worth without feeling I need to make sure that the person next to me doesn't feel much better. You know, I don't need to, I don't need to, to, to take away from others in order to feel better I, because they aren't my source and I'm not my source. My father is the source. His affection and his, his pleasure is the source of my identity and my value. And I'm so free at that point to just give that away. I don't have to worry. I, I, I don't, I'll never go broke giving away encouragement. God is our Father, then we know that we are valued, we are loved, we are redeemed, you are worth it, you have what it takes, you matter. I was talking to my son about this, sort of, he, he, he came out of his bedroom earlier this week and was reading... Um, 
reading Nehemiah. Uh, it's in the one-year Bible, and he said, Dad, I tried. I did my best, but I just, all of those names. I, I tried to just read them one by one, but I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I give it a good try, Dad, because he knows, you know, we know every, you know, verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, you know. Every word matters. So I, you know, so I said, here, I said, well, son, I said, remember, you know, I said, we could, we, could, we could use author, audience, and agenda and say, well, clearly this is written for a certain audience to remind them of lineage and all that and think, yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's, let's move on. I said, but what does, it, what does it speak prophetically to us, son? What do all those names, how do, that, how do those names speak to us? And he got nervous because he, you know, he gets nervous because he thinks, oh, no, I have to give my dad the right answer. You know? and <laughs> so I always try to set him at ease. I said, don't, just, just talk, son. Just tell me. Just, just listen. What do you? You see all those names. What does that mean? He said, he, I said, what are those? He said, names of, he said, well, God cares about families. And I said, yeah, that's good, son. That's good. What else does it say? And then he pauses. Well, I don't know. I should go back and look again. And I, I said, name after name after name, right? He said, yeah. I said, you ever see those names again, any of them, most of them in the Bible? Mm, I don't think so. He said, nah, don't see them again. I said, do we know who they are? No. They're not famous. Nobody on earth remembers who those people are. But heaven knows every single name. The thing about God being your father knows this. You, you, may not, you may not be trending on social media. And you may not want to. There may not be a hashtag before your name. But your name is recorded in heaven. And you are fully known. You have meaning and you have value and you have purpose. Because you have a father. Most importantly, this settles our relationship with God himself. He is our father. Everybody say our father. That does not make him any less God. It does not remove or limit in any way the might or power or majesty of God. It just makes God in his might and in his power and in his majesty approachable by those who call him father. Our father. Jesus is the past. Our father who is in heaven, who art in heaven, who am, who be. It's a present tense. Our father, our father in heaven. He is our heavenly Father. Come on, somebody say heavenly Father. Ah, la, 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 la. Regard, see, he's, he's, not, he's, not, you say he's not just our Father. He is our heavenly Father. Lots of things we need to take into consideration here. Regardless of your relationship with your, with your earthly Father. Some of you have uh, uh, an amazing relationship with an earthly Father. Some of you never knew an earthly Father. Some of, that, some of you, that relationship is broken. Some of you lost your... I mean, this world has done a real number on fatherhood. But regardless of your relationship with your earthly Father, this is not that. He is in every way exceedingly better and immeasurably so. He is, absolute, he is your heavenly Father. He is absolutely transcendent, and He yet at the same time is absolutely ever-present. He, he is over all things. He is above all things, and yet He is absolutely with you in all things. 
He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He, he's, he's never, you, you're, you will never move out of his house. As a matter of fact, he's making one for you. And I just want to be like him. Amen. I just want to. What I mean is I want my kids to stay with me. Anyway. That he is our heavenly, our heavenly father, it comforts us, it encourages us, and it humbles us all at the same time. That he is our heavenly father must remind us that he of, of his holiness, of his power, and of his infinite and benevolent goodness, of his perfection. Our heavenly father, pristine and perfect, powerful, transcendent, but present. Listen to what James says about our Heavenly Father. Every, James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down, present tense, coming down. If I were in a big arena somewhere with a bunch of people, I'd say, somebody say, coming down. And I'd say, so I'd say somebody say, it's coming on down. Come on, it's coming on, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Shifting shadow, you know, like a, like one of them. Yeah, thank you, sundial things. I was, I, I could see it, and I wanted to say shadow, but like a sundial that when the sun moves, the shadow moves because the sun's moving while the earth is spinning. Right, we get it. But what he's saying is that with, there is no, the shadow doesn't change. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift. There's no variation. He's always good and perfect. Prayer to our Father in heaven should inspire us then to desire the honor of his name. The revelation and the manifestation of his nature should be our delight and our deepest desire. So Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Come on, everybody say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means let it be regarded as holy. Let your name be regarded as holy. So this is first, arguably, a prayer that seeks at least two things. That this is a prayer that seeks that God would reveal his name. Let your name be, let your name be regarded as holy. That doesn't, that's not initiated from us. That's initiated by him. In Ezekiel chapter 36, there's a, God speaks about this, and he says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. So this is a prayer that is, that is saying, let your name be regarded as holy by what you do. Lord, act in such a way. The apostles prayed a similar prayer in Acts 4.29 when they said, Lord, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They're saying, Lord, you act in such a way as to reveal, to make known and revered who you are. 
Our Father in heaven, the first thing we ask is that you would continue to intervene, to break out and to break loose in our lives, through our lives, and in this world in such a way that all may know who you are. Let your name be regarded as holy. But there's a second part to this prayer that's also necessary. It's not just a prayer that God would reveal his name. It's a prayer that we would reverence his name by what we do. Not that God would just reveal his name by by what he does, but that we, our lives, would reverence and honor him by what we do. This is a prayer that we would live our lives as honorable and obedient children of our Father. This is a prayer that we would see him and that we would seek him, that we would seek to know him as who he really is. That we would always that we would live with an awareness of his reign and his presence, and that we would live in obedience to him. Someone say obedience. You, you can't disobedience does not honor God. Disobedience does not honor God. We can't say, hallowed be your name, and then live my own way. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, Peter writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you, here's Peter laying it out for us. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. He is your heavenly father. You can draw near to him quickly and with confidence. And yet at the same time, We live before him in obedience and reverence. Reverence for his name means that we know him and that we obey him. Disciples pray. Disciples pray to their heavenly father. And prayer, praying like this, orients us toward knowing and trusting and relating rightly to our Heavenly Father. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray together today. Jesus said, He knows what we need before we ask. Hmm. Thank you. We've got a couple minutes before the, the alarm goes off here. Yeah. Yeah, 
let's all just lean in, just lean in. Our Father in heaven. He is the one who knows our needs before we ask. Our love for him, our near, the, more, the nearer we are to him, the, the more deeply we should desire his name to be and eagerly and joyfully we should be in reverencing and obeying him. Don't perform for people. Don't try to perform for heaven. Jesus said he, he, he invites us to intimacy with God transform our lives, our relationships and we'll glorify his name Lord I do pray, we pray together this morning again Lord that we ask that you would act in such a way to reveal your power Lord reveal your might act, display your power Ezekiel said that you would do it in our midst, Lord, through your people. So, Lord, come, we ask you. It sounds silly to say we give you permission, but, Lord, we ask you to move in and through this house in such a way that you would glorify your name, that all would know your name, and would honor you and adore you. And, Lord, we do ask that by your Holy Spirit working in our lives that we would, we would, we would enthusiastically, ardently, obey you as children. Lord, that we would live our lives in holiness as the one who has called us is holy. We want all of these things with you. Lord, this morning, for this house, I pray this. He knows your needs before you ask. Before, friend, before you have even looked up, he is looking at you. Before you had an awareness of your need, already has the solution, the answer, the provision, the wisdom, the grace. Lean in right now and with confidence talk to your heavenly father. Tassi, bring that keyboard up just loud enough so people feel comfortable above them. Now just talk to God. Talk to your father about what's going on. He already knows. Just talk to him. I almost feel like I could see somebody like you know you're in the room with other people who call God Father and you know you bought the t-shirt so you're kind of in the room with them but it's almost like they're doing you do that thing where you duck your eyes a little bit and you don't want to make eye contact because you're not really sure where you are with God or whether he really likes you or whether he's still really frustrated with the decisions you've made in your life no he's he doesn't just say oh you are a perfect little pumpkin you've never made a wrong choice no, he's not a bad father. He's a loving father who corrects us. 
know. He's not proud of every decision you've ever made, but he loves you more than you can measure. And he's redeemed you. And and the blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough to cover every transgression, every sin, every error, every, every rebellious act. your heavenly father wants you to come home today so lift up your eyes come right to the front of the line come home there are folks that are still participating with us online we pray the same for you you're not listening on accident you're not watching by happenstance your father wants you to come home home isn't just the front door, it's right to his face. Right to his grace. So Lord, with confidence we come right to your throne to receive mercy and to find grace to help in our time of need. We thank you that you are ready. You are ready before we got here. And I ask you to stand together. I would like someone to pray with me today. I have have a need in my life. Something's got to be made right. A need to be met. Something to be made right. I need to do some business with my Father. We, We can't do that business for you, but we can pray with you. Because it's not just my Father, it's our Father. So I'm going to have to ask you to play this through this keyboard song again. If you'd like prayer, why don't you just come and just stand right here in the front. We'll turn everybody loose here in a minute, but if you would like someone to pray with you this morning, would you come right now? We'll just wait. Just come right now. We'll wait. Say, I need help. I have a need. I need God. I need God in my life. I need help today. I have an answer, a problem, a solution, a provision. 